What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, Pete Najarian, and Bono and Eisen. Tonight on Fast, Buffett's bet on bullion. Berkshire Hathaway revealing a new stake in... Get this, a gold miner. You heard right. We're bringing that name straight ahead. Plus a streaming smackdown, iQIYI, the Netflix of China, as some call it. Tumbling as the SEC formally looks into fraud allegations, the man who triggered the investigation will join us exclusively. And later, a betting buzzkill. DraftKings dealing a losing hand today on weak earnings. We'll find out if any of our traders are taking a gamble on this name. But we start off with the one chart in the market that seems to be getting no attention and Maybe it should. Check out the XRT, the retail ETF. It is up 12% this year, far outpacing the S&P 500. The XRT taking another leg higher today on the back of a strong retail sales report. So is this retail recovery for real? And if so, how are you playing it? Brian Kelly, kick us off. Well, so listen, I I think there's a couple different things. Yes, there is a retail resurgence, let's call it. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the stimulus, but a lot of it had to do with kind of a change in the way people are working. So take a look at the XRT, this ETF. The top five to ten holdings are heavy e-commerce, Overstock, Etsy, Wayfair, uh, companies like that. So if you're working from home, you need to buy some new things, and it's all e-commerce. We've seen that trend. Look at the truckers. Those things have been on fire. So I think, you know, be careful what you're talking about and extrapolating this to mall-based retailers. So I think mall-based retailers, as we've seen, they're going out of business. But, you know, this is the new wave of commerce. It's e-commerce. I do think that continues. The caveat is if we don't get stimulus and people don't have that $600 check, do we get a little bit of a stalling in this? Do we get a stalling even when it comes to names like a Walmart or a Target, Bono in? I mean, they are pretty much at all-time highs at this point, and, and maybe they're not as uh, exposed to the need for a, re- a stimulus check in order to keep spending there since they deal with more like uh, staples, groceries, and things like that. Uh, BK points out some good points. Um, but, yes, I do think Target and Walmart, I think they're a bit insulated. Really, if you break down some of their revenues, right, if you take Walmart, for example, I think between 15, 50 and 60 percent of their revs are coming from grocery or grocery-like items. I mean, so that's pretty high up in terms of, you know, looking at a, a list of, of necessity items. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, I mean, there's this tug-of-war kind of going on in terms of what stimulus is going to look like, unemployment, and the benefits thereof. And if, that's, if we don't get that right, if that ship doesn't get right, righted, I think some of the names in this XRT, you know, not the, the non-e-commerce names, are going to fill the pain. Yeah. Steve Rasso, where would you, I mean, BK mentioned a host of interesting names, including Etsy. I mean, that's probably where you get your your handcrafted uh, cheeses and your homemade face masks. Um, but I'm not you sure what, what, you, well. <laughs> what, what you believe in when it comes to sort of this retail rally and, and what it is lifting. So, I, so I, I would have went the same direction that BK went with. Overstocked is the number one mm-hmm. holding in the XRT. And granted, it's only 5% of the holding, but it's up over 1,200% 
year to date. And when you look at Etsy, it's up 190%. When you look at Wayfair, it's up 200%. That's all outsized. So where would I go? You have to go with the Amazons. You have to go. I, I wouldn't be a buyer of any of these things that are up over 100%. But you have to be a buyer of e-commerce. Walmart, where have they worked on for the last couple of years? It's their e-commerce. It's their digital platform. But they're still stuck in a brick-and-mortar valuation. So you have to expose yourself to the growth of the e-commerce, but the brand and the substantive nature that Walmart has and a Target has. But as far as the retail community or the sector exists, it depends on those checks. Mm-hmm. 55%, as, as Bonowin said, uh, in Walmart comes from groceries. You need those checks for groceries. Those are items that you can't do without. So uh, if those checks get held up, which they're not, it's an executive order, Trump has them coming out. I think retail should be okay. Well, the risk is that when Congress eventually someday, one, you know, in the future, get something done, hopefully, fingers crossed, that those checks will actually be smaller than the $600 uh, additional benefits that, that people have been getting, Pete. And so would, would we feel that in that retail trade? Yeah, I think, you know, Mel, I think a lot of great points being brought up, and I think a lot of it has to do with e-commerce, and it all has to do with, obviously, the stimulus checks, and that's going to be a big part of this whole thing. But I think the reality is e-commerce, those who've got it, those who actually put down the money to create something that was so big and they understood what the potential was going forward, they're going to reap the benefits of this whole thing. Obviously, Walmart, I mean, especially when you look at the revenues from a Walmart, you look at it from a Target, you look at the digital platform at Target and the growth that they've had on that, it's just amazing, and I, and I think that can continue. What I'd like to see more of, and I think we will see more of, and I guess this next week we're going to find out, but have folks that have gone to these stores, are they starting to, as we've opened up a little bit more, are they going to be starting to spend money in different places? Because groceries, fine, mm-hmm. except for the fact that there's no margin there. Absolutely zippo, practically. So that's the one thing that I think that Walmart, that's why I think it's the Achilles heel is that they have so much of their percentage is on groceries. Yes, it's, it's something that's absolutely essential, but part of the problem is there's no margin there. And that's why I prefer to like a Target over that and maybe even going to some of the big box stores and it fits back into Walmart now, but a Sam's Club or Costco. I think those are the opportunities that are out there because folks are going out, they are spending, they're going for some of the essentials, but when they start to stretch that out a little bit more, the margin side of the store is much bigger than everything that's grocery related. Well, looking out to next week, there's a big slate of retail earnings on deck, so break out your credit card because it is time to play a game of... Shop it or drop it! That's right, it is America's favorite game. On the days we're not playing traded or faded, no offense, Wall Madness. All right, let's kick things off with Walmart, the nation's biggest retailer reports on Tuesday. So, Bono, and we'll kick it off with you. You shopping it or dropping it? I'm shopping it. Um, although all of these retailers, I, I insist on getting coupons to buy anything there. Um, but yes, Walmart. Listen, the, we talked about margins. We talked about revenue mix. They've retained pretty strong gross margins. You see revenue climbing. Free cash flow is strong, manageable debt load. I mean, this is a bellwether company. I'm, I'm definitely shopping it. Put it in the cart. All right. Next up, TJ Maxx. So we'll go to uh, Brian Kelly for that. Shopping it or dropping it? Oh, you know what? I'm shopping this one. And I, I think, you know, as, we, as I talked about, the kind of the mall-based retailers 
having trouble, who's going to benefit from that? Yeah, whatever the graphic is, put that up there. So, you know, TJ Maxx is going to get that kind of that those extra items and they're going to benefit. They've been crushing it anyways over the last several years. So, you know, I'm definitely a shopper in this one. And well, while we're on it, you know, you had mentioned Etsy, and I would be remiss if I didn't thank Grasso for the crocheted apron he got me for my birthday. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> crocheted You're quite welcome. You're really quite nice welcome, real, my real friend. Real practical. Um, all of you guys actually like yeah. TJ Maxx, except for Bonowin. Why not, Bonowin? Uh, you know what? It's about following the cash. And, um, you know, if you look at the valuation, if you look at their debt load to free cash flow, it's a little outsized for me. I think there's other ways that you can play this. Yeah, crochet has a lot of holes in it, BK. So, you know, if you have sauce on you, we can go through the hole. Anyway, um, let's turn to Home Depot. Reports reports on Tuesday. Pete, shop it or drop it. I'm going to be shopping this one, Mel. I love the, I love just about everything about them. The only thing that's starting to get a bit stretched right now for me would be the PE level, which is up closer to the upper 20s, and they normally are in the lower 20s. So that part of it's a little bit concerning. But the e-commerce is great. They obviously have earnings growth. They've had revenue growth. This is a company that has incredible cash flows. They got a dividend yield of about 2%. I, I like just about everything about Home Depot. And we all know people are staying at home. They're going to Home Depot for all of their appliances or any other kind of things that they're looking for. Shop it. Yeah, you know what? I'm a shopper of it, too. I, I like what Pete's done with his yard. He's been a, I've been following him on Twitter. The amount of uh, mulch that he's put down is mulch. unbelievable. And I think everybody else out there is doing that. You're at home. You want it to look better. I say you shop it. All right. Finally, we round out the week with Foot Locker earnings on Friday. The stock is down more than 26% this year. So, Steve, shop it or drop it? I'm going to drop this one. Gross margins are under pressure due to just a, a mixed shift on how they're selling goods these days. Plus, you don't know if we're going back to school, what sports are going to look like. So I would definitely be a dropper of a Foot Locker at this point. Well, the one thing I do like about it, though, Steve-O, is, is, the, is the cost management that they've done. And they, they seem to be somebody that's coming out of this thing as they've opened up. They're seeing a lot more traffic. And because of that, I think it is actually something we can shop. And the reason I say that is this is a $40 stock that until the pandemic was consistently a $40 stock that's still trading into the 20s. So I think there's some upside there. With anything positive, with any more stimulus, I think people are going to go spending once again at Foot Locker. All right. Well, we got a number of notable 13F filings released after the belt today. Um, Dom Chu has been rounding them up. Let's uh, go to him to tell us who's buying what. Dom. All right. So we've got a fun group here of of holdings, and we can't go through every single one of them, but there are some notable ones that we want to kind of go through. First of all, we're going to start off with a thematic trade out of David Tepper's Appaloosa Management. In here, what you're seeing right now are the after-hours action in MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, and Square. And the reason why is because Appaloosa, David Tepper's shop, has taken new positions as of June 30th in those payment technology-type companies. So an interesting theme developing there if you want to look at it in that way. Also, checking out what's happening here with regard to overall the Berkshire Hathaway 13F, a very fascinating one here because he has reduced stakes in a large way across the main bank holdings in the portfolio. Wells Fargo, a 27% reduction. J.P. Morgan cut by 62%. PNC Financial, a 42% reduction. And a 9% reduction in shares of BNY Mellon. By the way, they got completely out of their Goldman Sachs shares as well. One of the other interesting points here is Occidental Petroleum. They had some common equity shares 
part of which was a dividend payment from earlier this year from their preferred shares in Occidental. Remember, they loaned them, Berkshire Hathaway, $10 billion to finance their acquisition, help finance their acquisition, Occidentals at Anadarko Petroleum. They are not completely out of their stake in common shares of Occidental. So maybe some oil commentary there. And then one interesting look here, Melissa Gang. It's a new position for Berkshire Hathaway in Barrick Gold as of June 30th of this year. You can see those shares up about 7% in the aftermarket session still. Materials, one of the best performing sectors over the last couple of months. Gold miners are part of that story. Rising gold prices to records, of course, Melissa. Behind that, mm-hmm. Barrick Gold, a big story there. Back over to you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dom. Sure. Dom Chu. And, of course, the caveat to all of these 13F filings is they are as of the end of the second quarter. I don't know who's got the dog, probably BK. As of the end of the second quarter, positions <laughs> yeah. could have changed since then. For instance, Berkshire Hathaway has been an acquirer of Bank of America very recently, at the beginning of this uh, month, actually. So part of that uh, selling of, of financial stakes could be just sort of portfolio rebalancing here. Um, Brian Kelly, the gold, the gold miner in Berkshire Hathaway, that really caught my eye. That, to me, is the biggest news. And you heard my dogs barking. They thought it was a a huge news as well. But listen, (laughs) this is Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, ostensibly the best investor of all time that has consistently, for the last decade, probably longer, said gold is magical metal. You'll do better off buying American companies. And here he is selling banks, American companies, and buying, albeit into a company, but buying into gold. So to me, the signal for this is that, you know, he's talking about a longer term view. If you're following him, you're saying, hey, wait a second, Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, we trot out there every year to hear what he has to say. He's saying things might not be that great in the future and gold is the place to be. To me, it's a, it's a shocking move. He's usually so constructive on the markets long term. Of course, he is a long term investor, Bonowin. So should we really take it as a, a signal that he uh, is forecasting you know, tough times ahead by buying into a gold miner? The fact that he does have a long term stance and he is still investing in gold speaks volumes in my point of view. I am certainly following the Yellow Brick Road to Omaha. I, you know how I feel about gold. <laughs> Listen, the, I mean... We're talking about inflationary pressures. We've talked ad nauseum about the effects on the dollar uh, currency and really like what the what the effects of the current fiscal stimulus is going to have on the back end. And I think I mean, it's sometimes it's it's simpler than we try to make it. He's reading exactly what we're reading. He's watching the effects. He's watching twos, tens. He's he's watching all of this and saying, listen, this is not only a safe haven. This actually might be. The, you know, the, the new trade going forward in terms of, listen, th- there's real risk that the dollar, and I, and I hate to really take it this far, but there's real mm-hmm. risk. It's something that should be taken into account that the dollar might no longer be considered the reserve currency. And if that happens, yeah, I want to own some gold in the portfolio. You can own the American companies, too. Yeah, it'll be, inter- it'll be interesting to see if, if this is a position that Warren Buffett himself initiated on behalf of Berkshire Hathaway or if it was one of his lieutenants. Um, and that we might fi- find out. Uh, in the future. Coming up next, Chinese streaming giant iQiyi taking a tumble today as the SEC launches a fraud investigation. We'll talk to the man who sparked the probe. And later, the king loses its crown. We'll tell you what went wrong for DraftKings when Fast Money returns. 
electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Chinese streaming giant iQiyi tanking after the company confirmed the SEC is looking into fraud allegations. The investigation comes months after Wolfpack Research published a report accusing iQiyi of inflating its revenue numbers. iQiyi is often referred to as the Netflix of China. And by the way, Baidu owns a majority stake in this company. Baidu shares were under pressure as well. iQiyi says Wolfpack's report contains numerous errors and the company has, quote, engaged professional advisors to conduct an internal review into certain allegations. Joining us now is the man who published that report back in April, Wolfpack Research founder, Dan David. Dan, great to speak with you. Great to speak with you, Melissa. Thank you for having me on. Uh, the allegations are, are pretty damning. Uh, you stated in your report that uh, they inflated 2019 revenue by between 27 and 44 percent, that they inflated expenses, basically made up expenses to show that free cash flow, fake free cash flow was being burned off in order to hide the fraud. Is this a company that goes to zero or is this just a company that is making a, a small business look bigger? Well, it's, it was a fraud from inception, uh, according to our research, which was a year in the making and hundreds of thousands of dollars. If, if anybody wants to know what goes into this kind of research, it takes a year. And prior to their IPO, we believe that they were inflating their deferred revenue, which in this space becomes actual revenue. Uh, doing that, they could never really catch up to the fraud that they committed according to our research, prior to their IPO. So they have to do other things like acquisitions uh, and, and inflation of content and things of this nature that we've written about in our report. Uh, you know, there's, there's a new rules coming out or expect to come out that would make Chinese ADRs conform with U.S. accounting standards. And are you spending most of your time now going through some of those companies that, that might face those challenges uh, coming up to stand, U.S. standards? I mean, is that area sort of, you know, rife with potential targets for you? Well, I, you know, I think it is rife with potential targets for all of this, but I think it's also interesting that new rules that they have to follow the same accounting standards that we've all followed all along, which is ridiculous in and of itself at face value. Uh, I don't think that they're ever going to be able to do that, and ITE, along with some of the other bigger companies, are already looking to bail to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. I think ITE is going to have to settle this before they do. Baidu will put them under great pressure to do so, uh, and eventually these bigger companies are going to be all dual listed and, and have it out. What we're going to be stuck with are dozens and dozens of fraudulent companies that aren't going to be able to list in Hong Kong. And it's going to, you know, total add to the billions and billions of fraud that have been committed on us for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. I want to get to some other short ideas, Dan, but just quickly, I mean, your short IGE, did you cover your short at this point or is there some more downside here? I do have still. I still have some short on. Uh, mm -hmm. I covered a lot of it, uh, but I still. I do have some short on IGE. Uh, I do have some short on Baidu uh, as well because I don't think that they were unaware of the issues in IGE, even though in their 
statement today, they're distancing themselves from IGE, saying that they're pretty autonomous, and that's why they want to get to the bottom of this. I'm not buying that at all. That's not what our research showed. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to another idea. That it's, it's not a Chinese ADR or anything like that. Inspire Medical, it's a $3 billion company. From the March lows in the markets, this, this is a stock that's more than doubled at this point, Dan. So what's the reckoning for this one, for this short that you have? Well, I, you know, I just don't think that the total adjustable market Inspire Medical is anywhere near what they tout. We've not been able to see that this invasive surgery where you're basically – you know, cutting a hole in somebody's chest and putting, putting a, um, um, something that shocks your hypoglossal nerve while you're sleeping as a, as a snore remedy rather than using a CPAP. And, and to say that they have, you know, that kind of total adjustable market has never been true. They've never made their numbers. They're never going to make their numbers. They're a company that exists on fundraising. They'll continue to do that. And the reckoning will be, when this pandemic is over and they can't just blame everything on the pandemic and they're coming way off their numbers as they always have, they're going to continue to fail. And this is, this is my favorite short, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not one to, to, to have a short for years and years, but I would hold Inspire Medical for a very long time because they're never going to make their numbers. You have that much conviction. I, I do want to get to a, another one, Remark Holdings, and this is a very small company, and usually on CNBC we have market cap uh, requirements, and, and you apparently do as well when I listen to the presentation that you just presented uh, just this week on, on Remark Media. I should be more specific. Um, you say that this company is also fraudulent, and within this presentation what struck me is that you specifically uh, targeted or, or went after Dave Portnoy, of course, um, he's, he's known as sort of the Robin Hood of the day traders these days because of his Davy Day Trader uh, Global. Um, why, did you, why did you bother with this company that is so small? Why did you bother going after Dave Portnoy, who, who you could argue helped individual investors come into this market? I think he's hurting individual investors in a very big way. He's financially ignorant, and he'll admit that on any, any given day. When he has a good day, he's a genius better than Warren Buffett. When he has a bad day, well, it's just a phone show and, and comedy. And it's, there are people out there right now that are, are not working. They're at home. They're opening up new E-Trade accounts, and they're day trading. And they should not be listening to somebody that is so financially ignorant that he's investing in companies. He has no idea what they do. You take MVIS, the first company that we went after him on, he literally says in a gift, I have no idea what this company does. They just print money. Well, you know what? They're down 40% from when we went after Dave on that company. And now you have Remark. It's down another 30%, 40%. Who is selling height-vision cameras to the, Los, uh, to the Los Angeles Police Department, to schools. That chicken's going to come home to roost. And you look at uh, the you know, Inspire MD. I mean, here's a guy that says, oh, I have over a million followers. If we all buy, the stock will go up. No kidding, Dave. It's a nano cap. If everybody buys a nano cap, it will go up. But when he sold at the end of the day a 20% profit, the next morning retail investors took a 20% haircut. So, no, he is not helping anybody. And I don't see myself taking advice from somebody who sits on the beach at Martha's Vineyard, you know, sipping champagne, painting his toenails, giving out stock advice. Points uh, taken, Dan, but just separately, even just aside from Dave Portnoy, 
These companies, objectively, in your view, Remark Media for one, it's a fraud? I believe they're committing fraud. I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, The filings that we have pulled from China show that the operations that they say they have a value contractual relationship with, which we don't even believe is valid, do not match the numbers that they have here in the United States. They have $20 million loss more in their books here in the United States than they are showing in their SAIC filings and credit reports in China. How do, you, how do you reconcile that if they also say that they consolidate those financials? Right. That's just simply not true. Dan, it's great to speak with you. Uh, we hope you'll come back. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much. Dan David of Wolfpack Research, again, the firm that triggered the SEC investigation into iQIYI, the Netflix of China. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Brian Kelly. You know what? I think you stick with the Oracle of Omaha. I rarely agree with him, but you buy Newmont Mining, gold sector. Steve Grasso. URI United Rentals. We have absolutely no vision to what the future is going to look like. You want to be renting equipment, not purchasing it. URI. Bono and Eisen. Uh, I like their innovation. I also like their gross margin. Essential business, Walmart. Pete, I didn't get a crocheted apron. I'm expecting it in the mail. I don't know if you got yours. Apparently. <laughs> I didn't need, no, I didn't get mine. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Grasso. No, uh, I'm going to give you a draft things because actually <laughs> I think this pullback is an opportunity to buy. All right. <laughs> that does it for us here on Fast Money for this Friday. Don't go anywhere, though. Options Action is up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.